heartbreaking to see people's homes inundated with water or destroyed by catastrophic weather events. What are the long-term effects on property insurance? Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. about climate change and how it relates to property insurance and it's a biggie okay Mm. but before we get into that we have a bit of a special house behind you in the video this week megan um look at this look at this so this is in prague and it's probably one of you know europe's most recognizable buildings and it was first nicknamed fred fred uh, fred and ginger after, you know, the dancing duo, but it it really polarised opinion in the city. So there's lots of Baroque and Gothic structures through Prague. And love it or hate it, you have to agree that the dancing house, which is what it's called, the dancing house is pretty cool. It does look like somebody took a blowtorch to one side and it melted a bit. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty cool. And I tell you, it's starting to make me feel very travel Ready for travel. Hey. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess what we need to get into is the topic at hand. And, mm. and this is a real issue. Sounds boring, but it's really important. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you imagine that you save, you squirrel, you, you get your deposit, you finally find that property, you finally buy that property, you get to the top of the mountain, as we say it is, and then you find you can't insure it. Oh, that'd be a bit of a rude shock, wouldn't it? It's so expensive that you can't afford to insure it. Now, Mm. massive disclaimer here, Veronica. We are not giving insurance advice. This is not an episode about insurance. You need to speak to a specialist about that. But this episode is exploring the impact of climate change and what's happening on your potential ability to insure your home now and into the future. And that's important. Yeah, and it is very important because let's just look at what happened in Lismore recently. Just mm. that's just picking one example. And you watch the news and you quite often heard this sort of same story. And it is well, when I first bought my home, I insured it. And then we had the first flood. And then the insurance company paid out. And then I went to reinsure it and I couldn't afford to reinsure it. So I didn't insure my home. Skyrocketed. Yeah. Then I didn't insure my home. And then the next flood comes through and I'm no longer covered. And you are then totally at the mercy of government handouts and support 
And there's a bigger picture, bigger argument there as to, well, who's really responsible mm. ultimately. Mm. But, you know, so even the fact that you can insure it when you first buy it doesn't necessarily mean you've got to be able to insure it um, throughout your years of ownership. So Down this is really mm. a big issue. It is. And when you buy your first time, it's really important that you get the right insurance. And we talk about this in the course. It's a very big part of, of managing your risk. It helps cover certain events. So most insurance policies have defined events that are covered and some that aren't. And usually this is a building and a contents policy that you'll take out if you're going to live in the property that you've purchased. So as a, as a homeowner. The contents part is anything that falls out. If you turn the building upside down, shook it, contents is what falls out. <laughs> So that's that's how it's been explained to me. I love it. That that really works for me as a visual person. The building side is how much it would cost to replace all of the insurable structures on the land, but not the land itself. So some people make the mistake of thinking that they insure what they've purchased for the purchase price, but you actually don't insure the land. The land, you know, the land isn't going to go anywhere. So so it's the things, the the improvements, if you like, that are on top of the land, not the land itself. You know, so, funny, funny story. When I first bought my first ever property way back in my uh, my twenties, and it was an apartment, and I just knew I had to get insurance. I was yeah. always very conchy like that. I used to always insure my cars before you know before I actually drove Manage them. Manage risk the stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I rang up an insurance company and clearly spoke to somebody as clueless as me because I then it's wanted not to helpful. <laughs> and I wanted to insure. I thought I had to insure the apartment, right? And they actually gave me a cover note to insure the apartment, right, which is ridiculous because you can't insure an individual apartment. You can In insure your contents. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't actually need to insure the building. The strata looks after insuring or the strata manage, the, the owners corporation looks after insuring a building if you own a strata lot or a community title lot. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, this clueless person at the end of the line who actually gave me a cover note and, um, the and then that you when, I went, when I went to settle on that property and then I call up to go, right, well, I better pay my, you know, pay my premiums back in the olden days before the internet. And um, and the person I spoke to that time wasn't clueless and sort of laughed and chuckled at me and said, you can't insure the entire building. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, it would cost you a lot of money and that's what you pay strata levies for. That's to, exactly to right. Of the anyway, I had to laugh <laughs> and I was pleasantly surprised because I only had to pay for contents insurance. <laughs> Spot but on. there you go. <laughs> just show sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Absolutely. And clearly no, neither did the person who was not trained on the other side of things. Anyway, yeah. we digress. But insurance companies do use a huge amount of data to determine what the premium will be on individual properties. But to give you an example of, of what effect climate can have and some of these events can have on individual premiums, um, our state member up here for Cooper, John D. Bush, she's Brisbane area, sort of Ashgrove, Paddington sort of area, shared a premium renewal notice for one of her constituents that went from about $3,300 to over $8,800. So, and this was a property that did not flood. They didn't make a claim um, in the previous insurance period. So there was no reason apart from what was happening around them and in the broader context. So it wasn't actually their individual circumstances that led to their premium increase. It was the circumstances that sat around them. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, remember back to the 2011 floods in Brisbane mm. and there was clearly – <laughs> well, you would, yeah. There was a lot of controversy at the time. We were filming up there. We were filming the show up there sort of yeah. not long after that. And I was actually, it, yeah, it was pretty confronting. But Suncorp, I think, was the only insurance company that actually had a flood cover as part of their, their um, 
yeah, of mm. their events that they cover, which was sort of interesting because it made Suncorp look like a bunch of heroes um, and potentially maybe one of those um, those premium renewals would have been for other companies would then put under pressure to cover floods and all of a sudden, of course, the premiums are going to go up. So, I mean, some mm. people may well have chosen cheap insurance, not realising they weren't even covered for floods potentially. It just shows yeah, you've got just to read assuming the it was part of it. And, mm. and that's the thing, isn't it? Because these are defined events follow policy. So you're only covered for specific events. So it's as important to read the defined events that are covered as the exclusions. And, and that's why you've got to really sit down with those product disclosure statements and understand what's excluded. Because if flood is in- excluded, it may be uh, the water ingress is included if it comes from the roof, but not if it comes up from the creekway. So, you know, even different types of water events have different um, a different insurable events and claimable events. So really important to understand in a policy what that means. And even being on a hill, and I talk about Brisbane being a hilly, you know, the topography being really hilly and lots of overland flow paths down hills, um, you can flood on the incline of a hill because... <laughs> the water comes down and it pools in certain places. So you've got to understand what part of the policy does or does not cover that kind of event because if you've got water coming in, you know, around the outside and in through under the door, is that a different type of event to something that might come through a hole that was made in the roof by a a branch or, Mm. you know, a storm blowing off a a piece of sheeting or something like that? So really important to, to look closely at those. These are just things that I've actually seen. I actually saw the premium notice that she shared online. She didn't identify who the insurer was nor the insured, um, but I, I saw that actual premium increase notice. But we've heard rumours of people in Riverside suburbs whose properties did not flood receiving premium increases from about six, seven thousand up to about $45,000 increases. Wow. Um, and these are properties who individually didn't flood or claim. But because the amount of data points and what the actuaries use in the insurance game to to calculate premiums they look at they look at stats and they they look at events within postcodes and they really don't look at your individual properties so you've got to be aware of what's happening around you as well well they're looking at risk mm. and so if you think about it from a buyer's perspective what better indicator of risk of something going wrong um, than if an insurance company is basically only prepared to insure it if it's a ridiculously high premium. Mm, yeah, good. Ew. You found an, an article recently in the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, it was a Sydney Morning Herald, yeah. Uh, yeah. That Australia is, and, and and there's some quotes we'll, we'll refer to here, but Australia is fast becoming an uninsurable nation according to modelling released by the Climate Council. Now, obviously, there's an agenda here, so we're not saying that this is unbiased information, but it is good information for you to have when you're starting to make decisions about which area, which property, you know, what's the risk of, of what you're purchasing. We'll actually, we'll include the map in the yes, show notes here show notes. because you can actually go in there and have a look yourself as to whether you're looking at buying in a really risky area or not. Pretty much everywhere, by the way. We'll get to that map in a minute, but yep. <laughs> pretty much everywhere up and down and around the coast is, is high risk for a lack Anyone of Anyone water or bush. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but one in 25, now their estimate is one in 25 properties will be effectively uninsurable in just eight years. Eight. That's in our ownership life cycle with figures as high as nine out of 10 in the worst affected suburbs. So fascinating to have a look at that map and what information got you. Yeah, they used hundreds of data points to, to actually pull this thing together. 
But also, not only, and I guess what you have to think about, of course, is, you know, the the risk of these things happening to you and the inconvenience and the cost and, and just how devastating that can be, mm. but also to property values. And we did do an episode a few weeks back on um, buying in flood zones. So we released that in May, I think. It's definitely out. Yep. We've had some yep. comments on that and, one. And, you know, and we talked about the impact on property values mm. of flooding. Right, and certainly whole areas will be impacted. The, the values in areas will be impacted if you get a situation where nine out of ten houses can't be insured. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it actually also highlights if there is any event like that, how important it is to get photos and videos that are time-stamped so that mm. if your property is one of those ones that is in an elevated position is, is not affected, then you've actually got evidence to support your claims when you go to resell or if you're going to you know, have a go at getting a premium reduced, which good luck, um, but but you can always try. Uh, but, you know, that that evidence date stamped and and, and pro- proven uh, can, can be helpful in a lot of scenarios. So really important when you do become an owner of a property that you make sure that you're always gathering that information that might be useful if someone questions whether, you know, you did have, uh, and I know, I know people who the entire street was gone, but they were just like a little island. Now, it's mm. not ideal to be stuck as an island, but you're only an island for maybe a day versus next door, which might have, might have been inundated or across the road that had raging floodwaters going through it. Well, I think it's important too to understand that not all floods are the same. Mm. So there are, flood, you know, places that flooded under one flood and then another one comes even within weeks. There's been yep. separate, you know, the, another flood and Previously, unflooded houses got flooded in the second one and the yeah, other way around, you the, know. So the major it, water sources. Yeah. Yeah. Or where yeah. the rain's falling as mm, well. Yeah. Now, any home that will incur, what Climate Council is referring to is any home that will incur annual damages from extreme weather. So not just floods, but we're talking bushfires and, and um, uh, cyclones and uh, catastrophic storms. Um so extreme weather and climate change equating to 1% or more of the property's replacement cost is considered high risk. So what I, I'm going to give you an example of what that That's is in a, a moment. It's not a lot. So if you think about a $600,000 property, if there is a risk of damage of $6,000 or more, it's considered high risk. On an annual now, there, wouldn't be many, mm. <laughs> there wouldn't be many insurance claims that aren't at least that in any mm. event. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so that 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 becomes inaccessible. You know, if premiums go up significantly, it becomes inaccessible and unaffordable to insure, or becomes uninsurable altogether. Well, I think, and one of the, the issues that has been um, highlighted, certainly in the recent flooding, has been that typically the lower income uh, buyers and renters are sort of forced to go to those riskier areas where housing is cheaper. It's cheaper, and. You know, and they can not cope. They really can't bear that risk, but you got to have a roof over your head, right? Mm. And so this is actually, I think, increasing disadvantage in many areas, this this whole problem. And then, of course, if they can't ensure what they have, it makes it even worse. So just that, that gap between those that do and can afford to protect themselves versus those that can't, um, you know, we've got a lot of issues here in terms of housing policy and mm. to tackle this sort mm. of stuff. But from your point of view as a listener, if you're looking at being a homeowner um, and we encourage you obviously to do that, we want you to do it safely. So it's really about being very aware of these. Understanding and, and risk. 
Yeah. yeah, and not falling and not also being lured into potentially a more affordable housing without understanding potentially uh, whether this is a risk that it buys in that instance. Yeah, worst case scenario, if you were to to choose a lower price house because it felt like a more affordable option and that house was uninsurable or you chose not to insure because the costs were so high and something completely um, devastated, flattened or, or took away the livability of that property, are you in a position to rebuild it, to live in it again, or would you suffer a loss of having to sell it in its devastated state mm. at land value? Yeah. Pretty yeah, horrible, that's, that's a worst case scenario. Now, if you're interested, check out the climate risk map online that Veronica mentioned earlier. We've put the link in the notes. Now, they've used millions of data points provided by Climate Valuation, which provides um, climate risk analysis to property owners. And they've put all of that into this, uh, producing the Climate Council's new interactive map. Really interesting. I fiddled around with it and, and there's some pretty risky areas. And, and we're not just talking, you know, in the next two years, three years, but they actually look at the long-term risk as well. Um, so whether it's fl fires, floods, extreme winds, and you can break it down by suburb, local government area or electorate, and it's based on, probably it's based on... Um, Low, medium and high emissions scenarios, which is all about, I guess that's about the um, growing awareness that if we don't do anything, you know, from an emission, from a, from a world standpoint on mm. emissions, uh, this is going to get worse yeah. quite dramatically. We're at the tipping point, I think. Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think, you know, people like me that have often sat back and gone, mm, climate change, yeah, I'm watching, I'm not, you know, I'm not dipping my toe in either side. Um, people like me are really starting to understand that it, there is a massive impact on our livability, on our lifestyles, on our cost of living. Um, all of these things are actually a result of some of the things that we are doing to the environment that are causing, uh, having a causal effect on, on climate change. Mm. So I think really starting to raise the awareness of, um, of you know, some of us who have just lived quite happily in the knowledge that the world continues to change, but now we have to change the effect that we have on the world. Well, and a bunch of you Queenslanders, it's pretty amazing, the last federal election, Green's getting into the House of Reps in Queensland. Well, we have amazing. Uh, we have <laughs> two the two so Griffin yeah. and um, Griffin and uh, Brisbane are both yeah. Greens now. Who'd have uh, thunk? thunk it? <laughs> Watch <Sorry>. this space. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously the awareness is is really increasing if, if Queenslanders actually start voting Greens. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm in the capital city. <laughs> I don't think there was many votes for them in the country. No. Um, but what this means for you and I is there, there may be a point in time where insurance becomes unaffordable and we, we have to make some very difficult decisions about whether to self-insure. Self-insurance is a massive risk to take. It, it means that you have to have the ability to pay for your own repairs if an event happens that, that causes grave da damage to your property. Now, some people can and will take that, that self-insurance risk and some people just actually can't. It's just not a possibility. And I think from a first home buyer's perspective, the problem with self-insurance is that obviously it takes you a long time to build up that amount of money mm. that will actually allow you to cover off any damage if this happens. So you've got to, A, hope nothing happens in, you know, the first 10 years of ownership or however long it takes to build up that significant um nest egg but also you know 
early on is the time when you can least take the risk of losing mm. that because you that is all you have you know what i mean like you've just all your savings got into buying that property so insurance is a very very important um issue for all of us but particularly for first home buyers um and obviously it um i think this has to come into the whole criteria around what property to purchase mm. And, you know, I think the, the idea, even adding into due diligence process, I'm starting to think even in my business, it's, it's time to say, well, we need to get an insurance quote. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, as part of the due diligence process. Mm. Because when you do do those quotes, and it's better to do, you can do it online, but it's actually better to talk to somebody as well, because you can start to ask questions about, well, it, well if I was in this postcode, what would the... The, the quote be and what, if I was in this postcode mm. what would the quote be and you can start to understand the differences between different locations and how insurance premiums might change by location yeah good we're intel sort of, together we're sort of used to this with our cars you know if you move yeah. addresses and all of a sudden your premium goes up or down you go oh feel good if you move into a safe an area and you feel pretty <laughs> shitty <laughs> <goes down. laughs> if your premium goes up <laughs> I've had that happen you know the premium's gone up my premium never seems to go down it seems to be I keep moving into into dodgy areas <laughs> anyway that's another whole topic <laughs> lucky we don't trade in cars <laughs> look and and i think you're right it may mean that we use very different criteria to determine what property to purchase not just you know we talk about the three p's position property price the, you know position is actually part of that equation and and uh, you know, well actually this assessment may form part of that equation you know which position which location which suburb um which part of the suburb am i going to look at and, and which property type within it is going to be potentially uninsurable because if if it is uninsurable it may well be a showstopper for you and it is worth knowing that before you enter into a, um, a contract or a purchase on a property um but you can also find out that it's a high premium and say, I'm prepared to take that risk, but better to know it before you're committed to something than after the fact. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff. 